Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fun crazy, not creepy crazy, on the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin production, starring Carl Malden. Also starring... Jimmy! I got one thing! Tonight's episode, Mr. Nobody. Yes, that's who I am, Mr. Nobody. Mm. Yeah, I am Patrick Riley. Welcome to the episode, a special episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show, episode 410. I am your host, and right next to me is a person who travels through space and time with me, and that is Kimmy. Kimmy, I got one name, Kimmy. She seems nice. You don't. Oh, just wait till you meet me. You'll you'll know I'm nice. I really am. I truly am. I guarantee that that I am. And speaking of uh, places to meet us, uh, coming up in the month of June. No, oh, that seems like a hundred thousand years away if you're listening to the day it's been uploaded. But maybe you're listening to this on May thirtieth, so it's not that far away at all. In June, we will be in Daytona Beach at a fantastic toy show at the Daytona Beach uh, Comic Book Toy Show that's happening. More information available about that right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And please check out our website and link to our social media for other events that we will be going to and appearing at during this year with our tour. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, uh, it's kind of a fun thing. I was talking to uh, one of the promoters from Jacksonville's Retro-Rama Pop Culture Show. Very nice guy. M- matter of fact, they're all very nice. And this is John I'm talking about. And he said, "Where's your? where are you on your next tour? Where, where's the tour taking you next? Mm-hmm. So... And by the way, that tour is taking us back to Jacksonville. We have been invited back to uh, Retro-Rama. Kimmy did behave. They said, oh, we we want her back. And we will be there in the month of August Mm -hmm. of 2015. Find out more details right on our website, which is RileyandKimmy.com. Now, one of the things we did in the past few days was go to a movie. Yes, we went to a movie. And no, it wasn't that 50... Shades of Something film. Mm-hmm. No, and kind of surprising. It's uh, It was up to Kimmy what we went and did because it's a week-long celebration of uh, Kim, Kimmy's birthday. That's what we're doing. And Kimmy said, well, we were originally going to a certain theme park for a celebration at night. And Kimmy surprised me at the last minute. She said, I, I don't want to go. I, I want to go to a movie instead. And I thought, uh-oh, here it comes. Because whatever Kimmy wants is what Kimmy gets on her birthday week celebration thing. And I thought, here comes the 50 gray film out of the woodwork, and I'm going to be going to that thing. And she surprised me. What movie did we see? The Kingsman. That's right. We saw The Kingsman. And it's a film, by the way, you Star Wars nerds that don't know this, I don't know where you've been. Mark Hamill is in the film. Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson is in the film. And you Batman fans, Michael Caine is in the film as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of sci-fi nerd stuff going on there. Now, I have to ask Kimmy this. She did not read the source material the Mark Miller trade paperback or the comic books that it is based on. What did you think of this movie? I liked it. I was entertained. Do you want to see it again? I don't know. Ooh. Do you want to own it in, as a Blu-ray in uh, the library? Uh, regular anyway. See, I disagree with you. I want to see it one more time at least, and I want to own it okay. on Blu-ray. 
right. movie was made for a third of the cost of as the last James Bond film, by the way. Wow. Yes. Uh, for those who have read Kingsman, I Kingsman, I suggest uh, you you will like this film. They did change some elements with it. I have really no problems with what they changed, except one thing. Mark Hamill should have stayed as Mark Hamill. In the comic book, he has been abducted. It's Mark Mm. Hamill and other celebrities because the villain in the comic book, and sort of indicated in the movie, but in the comic book, he's more of a nerd who's collecting individuals of pop culture that he wants to keep around after the end of what, I'm not going to spoil, what is about to happen. Mm-hmm. He, he wants them around and it's people he likes certain musical performers mm-hmm. certain uh film like you know hamill mm-hmm. and others i mean even william shatner is in the comic book kicking butt uh-huh which i would love to have seen and when the film was being made there was rumors that lady gaga was going to be in this mm-hmm. and others but that, that never materialized mm-hmm. they're not in the film and mark hamill does not play mark hamill mark hamill plays a professor who has a well nefarious involvement with the villain Let's just put it that way. Okay, they changed that. I just wish they would have kept Hamill's Hamill because the opening scene in the comic book, if they would have played it out, is great because he has been abducted by the villain. The villain's not there yet. They're they're in the same location where they show in the opening scene where mm-hmm. he's being rescued. That's done. But what they're doing is the uh, the thugs that have captured him, they're treating him nice and everything, right? They're offering him wine and stuff. And they start talking about Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back being the best of the Star Wars films, and then the last three Star Wars films, they really tanked, and what do you feel about it? And they're they're going on and off and around about that to him. Now, I have a feeling there might have been some influences by a certain movie studio to prevent that being the opening scene. Mm. Don't you? Oh, yeah. And, and I have that feeling that they may have influenced. That's why it couldn't have been Mark Hamill's Mark Hamill, uh, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker. Mm. But in the comic book, it's there. And if you like Kick-Ass, the original film, the first film, I, I think it's better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, I do. I think it's better than the first Kick-Ass. Okay. Although I do love Big Daddy in, in the first kick, Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's one movie of Nicolas Cage's that I really do like. But I do recommend it. I give it a thumbs up for all the way across the board, i.e. A repeat viewing, uh, you know, spending money going to see it again and going out and getting a Blu-ray of it I, I just give it a thumbs up all the way across. Kimmy, it doesn't seem like she's DVD only. Budget bin, I have a feeling. That's what she's talking. <laughs> Aren't you? Yeah. Oh, Kimmy, shame on you. Well, that's our our unpaid review. There's no agenda there. We didn't get comp tickets or anything free or are under the payroll of anybody to love or hate that film. But Samuel Jackson was my favorite part oh, of it. Oh, exactly. Now, he has changed. The character of Samuel Jackson... Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson is in the comic book. He's abducted as well. But he's in this movie, Samuel Jackson's playing the villain. Now, the villain in the comic book is a younger individual. Like, I think he's early 20s. They changed it for Samuel Jackson. And it's great. I totally support the change. The villain he plays. I love that more than anything. He is just, he won me over even more. And I mean, yeah. I, example, the uh, movie, uh, The Spirit. Not a very good film, although I love it. It's a good, bad film. He steals that movie mm-hmm. where he plays the octopus. He steals this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is good. He is <laughs> in ways, not just in ways. He is a chameleon with this one. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot it. Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. And he delivers some of the most over-the-top dialogue just perfectly. Mm-hmm. He makes it worth 
the admission price to go see this film. Yes. And if you want to see the theater that we went and saw this film at and how packed it was not, you can do that by going right to our website at RileyandKimmy.com and I have a link to our social media site where I, uh, I took a, a snapshot real quick, you know, a quick uh, photo of uh, yeah. the theater because everybody was at uh, Fifty Shades of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, on a Saturday night, it was not very crowded. No, it was not. But go see this film. Get the the comic book, the trade paperback, and I think you'll be quite happy. And it's a good companion piece, the uh, trade paperback. But, by the way, it's not for kids. Little kids. Mm-mm. And a movie really isn't for little kids at all. Right, Mm-mm. Kimmy? Mm-mm. No. Uh, especially the exploding head scene. Even though some people criticize the way it looked, I liked the way it looked. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of a Tim Burtonist kind of, uh, Burton mm-hmm. kind of, Mm-hmm. shot you know i had no problem with that one at all it's worth checking out as we said just you know i wouldn't recommend it for little kids uh, not at all now kimmy the day this show is done is a special day in the united states what is the day it is president's day that's right president's day in the united states it's a federal holiday celebrated on the third monday of february in honor of whom George Washington. That's correct. Who was the first president of the United States and is often an occasion to remember all the presidents, not just George Washington. Or what other president was born in the month of February, Kimmy? Abraham Lincoln. That's right. Now, his birthday is also in February, and we just recently did a a little tribute to Abraham Lincoln on the Riley and Kimmy show. Now, the term President's Day was informally coined in a deliberate attempt to use the honor to honor multiple presidents and is virtually always used that way today. Now, Lincoln's birthday, February 12th, was never a federal holiday. Nearly half of the state governments have officially renamed their Washington's birthday observances as President's Day, Washington and Lincoln Day, or other such ways of calling it. Now, the federal holiday honoring George Washington was originally implemented by an act of Congress in 1879 for government offices in Washington and expanded in 1885 to include all federal offices. As the first federal holiday to honor an American president, the holiday was celebrated on Washington's actual birthday, February 22nd. Tell me the year, Kimmy, that it was changed to the third Monday in February. Mm. Tell me the year. 1976. Very close. The federal holiday was shifted to the third Monday in February by the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. This date places it between February 15th and the 21st. This was done on January 1st, 1971. Mm. And by the way, it's supposed to be part of Washington's birthday, yet it never falls on Washington's birthday. Mm -hmm. Ever. Now, an early draft of the Uniform Monday Holiday Act would have renamed the holiday to President's Day in honor of both Washington and Lincoln. That's what they wanted and would explain why the dates were chosen the way they were. But Mm -hmm. that was not worked out. And the bill was voted on and signed into law in 1968, keeping the name as Washington's birthday originally. Mm -hmm. Now, by the mid-1980s, there was a push from advertisers. The term President's Day began its public appearance. Now, today, the February holiday has become well-known for being a day in which many stores, especially car dealers, carpet stores, and others, hold sales. Mm -hmm. Until the late 1980s, corporate business generally closed on this day, similar to the present corporate practice of Memorial Day or Christmas Day, 
But by the late 1980s, the advertising pushed to rename the holiday. More and more businesses are staying open on the holiday each year. When reviving the Uniform Monday holiday bill debate back in 1968 in the congressional record, one notes that supporters of the bill were intent on moving federal holidays to Monday to promote businesses. Mm. Yes. By the way, the federal holiday of Washington's birthday honors the accomplishments of the man known as the father of the country. Celebrated for his leadership and founding of the nation, he was the Electoral College's unanimous choice to become the first president. He was seen as a unifying force for the new republic and set an example for future holders of the office. The holiday is also a tribute to the general, General Washington, who created the first military badge of merit for the common soldier. Do you know what it was called, Kimmy? The first medal that he created? No. Revived on Washington's 200th birthday in 1932, the Purple Heart Medal, which bears Washington's image, is awarded to soldiers who are injured in battle. As with Memorial Day and Veterans Day, Washington's birthday offers another opportunity to honor the country's veterans. And I thought that's what we would do today because, let's face it, not a lot of people go to the history books and there is so much material, such as by Joseph Ellis, that has been written about Washington that is worth reading. Go a little bit beyond what the classrooms may have taught you. And read other material. I, I strongly urge that, including like Founding uh, Brothers. That's a very good book. Uh, that's not just about Washington, but about others as well. So much material out there. Read, read, read. That's all I can say. What we're going to do here on the Riley and Kimmy Show is we're going to go back in time to January 5th, 1942. We're going to go to the world of radio, Kimmy. Old time radio, that is. Radio was new. Radio. Someone still loves you. And that is the Riley and Kimmy Show because we... Uh, Focus on old-time radio, the golden age of radio, OTRs it's called from time to time, and this is one of the times we will do that. And it's a very special episode that's going to be dealing with George Washington and something from history. And please, it's not a snoozer here at all. This is a drama that was done. It's called Valley Forge, and it was done on a show called Cavalcade of America. Now, why this one is so special, Kimmy, from January 5th, 1942. It stars who I consider one of the best performers of radio, one of the best performers of of film and even television and stage of the 20th century. And it is Lionel Barrymore. Mm. Lionel Barrymore is in this. If your only exposure to Lionel Barrymore is as, uh, you know, Mr. Potter from, uh, it's a wonderful life. Yes. It's a wonderful life. Uh, he is so far beyond that. He has such a deep range. He is the best Scrooge I've ever heard and ever. I mean, I put his radio Scrooge performance right against any film adaptation and even stage one I've ever seen. He is very strong, very powerful, and it is fantastic. We have found this episode. It was in my private collection, and we're going to add it right here on our show. And mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to go to the Cavalcade of America. Now, the show is an anthology drama series that was sponsored by the DuPont Company. Yes, the chemical people. Although it occasionally presented a musical such as an adaptation of Showboat and condensed biographies of popular composers. It was initially broadcast on radio from 1935 to 1953. And like we've talked before, radio was so important. It spun things off in other pop culture. This show went to television from 1952 to 1957. It was originally on the CBS network. The series pioneered the use of anthology 
psychology drama for company audio advertising. Now, Cavalcade of America documented historical events using stories of individual courage, initiative, and achievement, often with feel-good dramatizations of the human spirit triumph against all odds. Now, this was consistent with DuPont's overall conservative philosophy and legacy as an American company dating back to 1802. Now, the company's motto, maker of better things for a better living through chemistry, that's easy to recall, isn't it, was read at the beginning of each program, and the dramas emphasize humanitarian progress, particularly improvements in the lives of women, often through technological innovation. Now, Cavalcade of America made a major impact in radio advertising during its run on the air. DuPont, a chemical corporation that did not sell public goods, sponsored Cavalcade of America. DuPont tied in their company's slogan and agenda into the inspirational and pro-American achievement themes of each episode. Now, Cavalcade of America was an early exercise in corporate image building by DuPont. DuPont promoted itself as a hero for America. Now, this type of marketing was shrewd but effective. It put a corporate image behind the real-life heroes that lived at least a century before. Now, one way DuPont was able to emphasize its own products in episodes of Cavalcade of America was by having health-related episodes that required the use of chemical compound products manufactured by DuPont. Now, this was not necessarily advertising, since individuals could not go to the store and get whatever chemical compound was, but it was rather a promotion of the company, a way of promoting it. Now, th they were so popular, to give you an idea, DuPont. Now, I know I'm going to catch Kimmy off guard here, and she's going to feel bad, but I'm not trying to make you feel bad, Kimmy. DuPont did something back in 1940 that affected female fashion. And it's tied to this program, Cavalcade of America. Can you tell me what they, what product they debuted in 1940 that wasn't around until 1940 that is tied into the Cavalcade of America? A certain clothing item. I have no idea. May 15th, 1940, DuPont made nylon women's hosiery oh. available to the public and began an advertising blitz. Now, the day was designated in day by DuPont marketers, and an entire episode of Cavalcade of America was marketed a little different. DuPont selected a typical housewife to interview. J.P. Hoff, director of research of DuPont's nylon division, was actually the one interviewed. Mm. It was a rigged interview. Mm. Hoff expounded at length on the virtues of nylon. Now, eager to purchase nylon hose, thousands of women waited in lines for department stores to open the following morning. 750,000 nylons had been manufactured for in-day, but were all sold the very first day. Hmm. So they are the ones who started that. Wow. So it's tied to the Cavalcade of America, which we're going to play right here. Uh -huh. Now, this is a fantastic thing. You might not really be into history that much. You think, well, this is worth checking out because it is an adaptation of Maxwell Anderson's classic Valley Forge book. This based on that. And Lionel Barrymore, yes, Drew's uh, great, what is it? Great uncle, great, great uncle, great uncle. And Drew Barrymore's relation, let's put it that way. You can see where that acting, uh, where those acting chops come from. And it's just great. And by the way, if you like Simon Bar Sinister from Underdog, he's based on Lionel Barrymore, actually. He is. The voice is. The voiceover guy actually based on Lionel Barrymore and Mr. Potter. Hmm. So it's kind of a fun thing, all of a nerd thing, but it's also historic, and we're also doing it to pay tribute to President's Day. Here we go. Back in time, January 5th, 1942, Cavalcade of America on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Starring
starring Lionel Barrymore in Valley Forge, Maxwell Anderson's great play on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight the Cavalcade of America takes unusual pride in being able to present for its first program in the year 1942 a new radio adaptation based on Maxwell Anderson's prize-winning epic drama, Valley Forge. Standing at the threshold of a dark year in our history, it is fitting for us to salute the spirit in which this work has been undertaken. For at no other time has the moving story of Washington at Valley Forge been more apt for men of another generation. His are words speaking to us out of the past. They come as a legacy for us today. And so it is that DuPont proudly presents Valley Forge, starring Lionel Barrymore. Gentlemen, attention. Commanding Officer General Washington. At ease, gentlemen. You'll forgive this delay. Now, if you'll read the minutes, Mr. Tench. <clears throat> yes, sir. These sentences are to stand. Joseph Cutler for repeated desertions to be cashiered with infamy. Samuel Jelliffe, who was sentenced to be hanged for espionage, to be reprieved and returned to the officer's prison consideration of having made a full and free confession. Is that all? That's all, General. Unless you have a minute to squander on that way-faced boy you saw in the entrance. Who is he? Hanged if I know his name. I've booted him some five or six times, but he's back again today asking to see you. Well, let him come in. As you say, sir. Come along, man. The General will see you. Thank you, sir. Spit it out and be terse about it. We've no time for a history. Why are you here, lad? Why, well, uh... I'll say it as brief as I can, sir. I I joined the Army for three years, and my time's nearly up. And, well, the truth is, I, I'm dying. They tell me it's ague, something wrong with my stomach. Uh, Colonel Tench will arrange to send you home at once. Oh, I thank you, sir, but that's not what I wanted. I'm afraid that's all we have to offer. It's hard to say what it is I wanted. I, I don't want to die. Nobody wants to die young. I will, whether I go or stay here. And, well, damn it, let me die for something. I've believed in this war we're fighting, and, and you, sir, I, I believed in you. I very much fear you're not fit for service. I'm sorry. You better come along out of here, lad. I'm sorry, General Washington, if I'd had any idea... Yes, what... death's a long way from you. How could you have any idea? But let me be on a field with a gun in my hand to die there. Not die wretching my lungs and brains out here in this rat trap of an encampment. Come, come, there's no time for this man. You're in a fever. One moment, Colonel Tent. Let him stay. Thank you, sir. Won't you try to see it, sir? A lot of men have died. I, I'm only one. But we're dead a long time for want of freedom. We came to fight for something. We believed in... Don't we... worry, lad. We'll do what we can. You'll be looked after. Yes, sir. Good night, sir. You have his name? Yes. Now, gentlemen, it's not by accident, as you may have thought, that you four are here tonight. 
You tense, Sterling, Varnum, Lafayette. You know what's in my mind. The reports before us show we've neither food nor clothes nor arms for the maintenance of an army. No defense if we're attacked. I've written to Congress and I have their reply. They're sending two commissioners to investigate. Sir, I'm a soldier and I take orders. God help you, sir, to find some way to command so we feed on dust and carrion. General Washington, this country'd come to you with open arms if you said to them once for all, I'll take just this and that. And I'll take it now when it's needed. One word, one breath from you, and you'd blow this Congress that's causing all our troubles from here to Maine. It happens that our Congress is the heart of what we fight for, good or bad, Mr. Tent. General Washington. Yes, Lafayette. May I begin by saying something you know, but may have forgotten. This world you have cut from a wilderness is a new world. Brighter with sun in summer, colder with winter cold in the world I knew. I find no man but looks you in the eye and says his thought in your teeth and means it. This was not known before in the world. Europe has 30 kings and a hundred million slaves. Now, the name of Washington is magical in France. You will have the help of France before the end of spring. Oh, you cannot wait. I know it. Not possible. Yet, if you knew what dreams and fate rest on you, you would do this impossible. What's on hand, Mr. Tench? We might scratch up by equalizing three or four days' provision. Three days. As for our high purpose, we have it still. But the men, the men are mortal and die around us so fast, the heaviest works to bury the dead. If you heard of a martyr, Washington, across the seas, I fear I'll disappoint you. I'd rather live and have my fun and my time before my face hardens into a mountain crag. <laughs> but we have three days. And the order's given. All commanders meet here at five in the morning. All right, right General. Right. Oh, Lafayette. Yes, sir? Stay a moment. Yes, sir. I was short with you when you meant to praise me. I hope to be forgiven. This war is a democratic war, and one man's name... Yeah, I know, sir. Sometimes I feel I'm a difficult guest. If I had said what I'd meant, I'd have told you that I expect you to uphold my hands if I ever should falter. Oh, I'm not humble. I stand well in my own opinion. But a man begins to lose his teeth and fears his eyes go bad at 45 and wishes... Oh, well, that's all trash. Let it go with the rest. You fall across our night at Valley Forge like a young star, all flame. Let's hope you're destined to avoid our quenching. Sir... The sun's quenched in the ocean, but it rises in the morning. I gauge my life. It will be so with you. Uh, Rafe! Rafe! Yes, sir, General Washington. Coming right out, sir. Uh, the commissioners from the Congress are arriving this morning. Yes, sir. They'll be wanting a bite to eat after their journey, sir. Yes, and uh, give us the stuff that was left from the Fusiliers' dinner. Oh, I guess that stuff was worse than you know, General. The cookie couldn't pass that off on the cat. I know. 
I tasted it. We'll have it this morning. Just as you say, General. I've stabled the horses, sir, and have two congressmen left over. If you can suggest any disposition of them... We're giving them breakfast here. But I warn you to eat sparingly. Heat the mess, Rafe, but heat it just enough to bring out its qualities. Yes, sir. I'll do just that, sir. Shall I fetch them in? They're scraping their boots outside. Well, that argues a certain amount of respect. Yes, fetch them in by all means. Come in, gentlemen. Ah, gentlemen. It's long indeed since I've exchanged views with members of the Congress. Welcome to Valley Forge. Huh. What roads? We arrive somewhat bedraggled, sir. Oh, but nonetheless, welcome for that. This is Colonel Tench, my aide, who will hear our discussion. General, we've been abroad since seven. Demi, I'm starved. Well, if you'll excuse a light collation, army fare... Surely, bring on your light collation, sir. That infernal host at the inn. We asked the man for collops, and he sent us bacon. Bacon sickens me. I have a tetchy stomach traveling. Then it may be that our soldier father won't do. Oh, yes, it will. I'm not so tetchy by now. Well, then we'll be served in a moment. Now, uh, while we're waiting, I'd like to bring up the question of a new quartermaster. It's plain an army can't run without a quartermaster. And uh, yet you've left me so these three months. We know it. We know it. It's most unfortunate. But there's been some quarrel in Congress over appointments. I've done my best to settle the matter, but... It's uh, not settled yet. The Lord knows, sir, when, if ever, it'll be settled. We authorized you to live off the country, General Washington. I think you'll find there's not much food within our range. And besides, if you turn men loose to ravage and steal... Steal? Ravage and steal? Well, what else can you call it? No, gentlemen, better give up at once than sow the country with footpads. Now, now, a little discipline's all that's needed. Discipline? Will you show me a rule for holding an army together on air? Well, I've held together all morning on little more. And I see our breakfast approaching. A welcome diversion, General. Here you are, gents. Yeah. Go ahead, gentlemen. Don't stand on ceremony. Right you are. Mind if I go right ahead? Not at all. Uh, good Lord. Good heavens. What's about... the matter, Mr. Fulton? Help. Help. I'm, I'm straining. Get him some water, Rafe. Yes, sir. Have you tried this, this awful... In the name of heaven, General. Are you ill, Congressman? Well, look, look at your food. It crawls. Oh, you exaggerate, Congressman. This is better than what I've been having lately. Not bad at all. It moves about a trifle. A weevil's hard to kill. What is it? Mostly beans, I guess. Colonel Tench, please, please stop eating it. Take the plates out, Rafe. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, gentlemen. This is the mess we've dealt to several corps lately for lack of better. Is that any reason for ladling hogwash to us? You're not compelled to eat it. But the men are. And you sent it. Well, that is bad. I'll admit that. But give us something else to clear the air. After we've settled the question of a quartermaster for my army. General Washington, what the army needs apparently is not so much a new quartermaster as a new commander-in-chief. A man with the proper respect for the Congress... If you'll unstable our horses, Colonel Tinch, I think we can make it to York by nightfall. Good day, General. Good day, gentlemen. General Washington. Yes, Lafayette. There's an intelligence from Philadelphia. Huh? Tell me what's in it. It's from General Howe, sir. He begs you to meet and talk with him under a flag of truce. He bids you come armed with no terms save total surrender... Reinstatement of the colonies under the Khan. It seems the Congress has refused my country's offer to 
form a military alliance with the United States. Uh, we've been betrayed, Lafayette. Betrayed by our own people. But it may only be a trick of some sort. No, no, no. no. And even if it were... I should come to terms with the enemy now. General Washington. Where, where is the meeting to take place? On an island in the Susquehanna. Hay Island. This is where they guard the food of the horses. <laughs> we plan to take it today. Well, we won't be needing it now, Lafayette. This nation's spending its last heart's blood for a package of liberty. We opened the package today, and it was empty. adaptation of Maxwell Anderson's great epic play, Valley Forge, starring Lionel Barrymore on the Cavalcade of America, and sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. As our play continues, a band of Continental soldiers is foraging for food in enemy territory on Hay Island. Marty. It's me, Marty. Let me in. They jumped another load while you were gone. Enough hay and grain to feed us and the horses. We can figure a way to get it all off this island. Funny there was nobody on guard at the landing. Maybe they thought we were all dead. Say, somebody did take a shot at you. You're bleeding. It's a scratch. This is the kind of war, as soon as you get a pair of britches, they shoot them out from under you. Hey, what's that? Did you hear that? Yeah, they ought to be across by this time. Listen, that's not even a musket. That's a long tom. I told them they'd run into something if they stayed past daylight. The place, the only barn in my Shh. Someone outside. Take hold of your musket, Marty. Right. Lift the bolt. Stand behind the door. The door. Somebody in there? Step into the light where I can see you. Easy there, easy. Who are you? Where are they? Oh, I beg your pardon, Colonel Tench. General Lafayette. You're wearing enemy colors on your legs, man. Yeah, I got an enemy bullet through them, too. So I see. I hope I'm not going to find it necessary to make you both prisoners. For what? For desertion. We came over here to lift a mess of corn for breakfast. Found more than we figured. Are there others? You're expecting others? Sure we are. Why do you look so glum about it? This island is in a state of truce, man. General Washington meets with Howe here within the hour. To sue for peace? This is officers' intelligence, men. Listen, Colonel. Truce or no truce, our comrades are catching it down there now. They are, Colonel. The truce must be off. General Washington should be here by now. He's coming here today to meet with General Howe. But if you've got a fight going, we'll look in on it. How do we get there? Follow the shoreline south. Keep your eyes open for sharpshooters. How far is it? Maybe a furlong to the cribs. Where are you dumping the stuff? Clopton's granary. Good enough. You're with me, General Lafayette? But of course. Wait a minute. You say the generals are coming here? Yes. What are we going to do? Lie where you are and let them step over you. Only don't shoot them when they come in. That's all I ask of you. the place? It's where they pointed out, sir. I thought Tench had preceded us. He was here, General. But he stepped out to mix in a shindy. 
Sir, it seems to me there's something familiar and yet remarkably strange about this place. I've seen these faces before. Yes, sir. In the bunkhouse at Valley Forge. This boy. I remember him especially. Neil's my name, sir. I came to your quarters. Ah, yes, yes, I remember. Well, you look as though you'd got your action, lad. Look, men. I have a meeting here under a truce with the enemy. It would be most embarrassing to have them find me in the company of my own renegade. We understand, sir. Alcock and me will help get the others hit in the granary till you've done. But this boy kneels, General Washington. We move him. I'm afraid it'll finish him. Badly wounded, sir. He is. Wounded. Well, let him stay if he must. Keep an eye on him, Sterling. I will, sir. We'll carry a flank, friend. Ours is the peaceful errand. That's them now. Hurry. Come in. Come in. Poor shelter, but it'll do for our purpose. General Washington? General Howe. I'll be brief in apologizing. Some lawless spirits from my own army had descended on this island for their own purposes. The men are still about, but we'll keep the truth now. Well, you've had the best of this day's work. Those rascals of yours robbed the corn cribs, I'm told. Hold up. Sick transit horse feed Monday. Does it uh, meet with your wish that we transact our business before witnesses? Sir, I'd a little rather this discussion were known to my officers. Right, sir, right. And so would I. First, let it be understood that I bind myself to nothing by this meeting, nor have I altered in my loyalty to the cause I captain. To tell the truth, and it's no secret, we are sick and sore about this war at home, and would to God it had never started. And we want you back on your own terms. My own terms would mean that we never went back at all. But I'm not alone in these decisions. We have a government, and plenty in that government are sore and sick as your own. Now, God forbid this, General. Must we take back a king? Damn you, Sterling. You think it's easy for me? They said it was rain on the roof. Who's that? A dying soldier, General. Forgive us. But it, it was a heartbeat. Lie quiet, lad. I'm sorry. I, I think I'm dying. But if I die, you will share my legacy. All men will live free in a free land. Oh, men, and there will be no more tyrants. Don't try to talk anymore, lad. Try to sleep. Sleep? Yes. Sorry to be late, General Washington. Hench, what happened? I shall report it in due time, sir. General Howe, in regard to certain corn, which this squad of the 1st Virginia sacked last night, let me report it stowed on Clopton's Landing. I've said goodbye to my corn, not without regret. As to the losses in this action, General Washington, there have been some wounded and some killed. How many, I don't know. But among the latter, Nick Teague and Lucifer Tench. You list yourself among the slain. <laughs> this is rather tasteless joking. I'm dead enough. My boots are full of blood. Sit down, man, before you fall. To die for hay and grain, there's a high death for a swashing soldier. The devil damn your kings and congresses and their hay. Tank, take a hand from me. I'll walk to where I lie. A dog dies best in a corner. Bring on your burlap and the sailor's needle and sew me into sleep. I'm tired and done. Tench, man. Tench. He's done for, sir. Sir William... It may be that you'd prefer to wait elsewhere until we're free again. 
Thank you. I'm not unmoved at any brave man's passing. But his griefs are private, and we'll take a turn outside. Come, gentlemen. General Washington. General Washington. Tench. He's gone. We're all as good as dead, Lafayette. Have you pledged yourself to how? Not yet. Not yet. Dead for hay and grain, he said. Sir, they've had news at the landing. Congress has signed the French alliance. Too late. Too late. Couldn't you gather your troops? Make one final effort, sir. Gather my troops. <laughs> Gabriel's trumpet might rally that veil of bones. Bring me these specters with the wind-fed entrails and the mouths that open and speak not, gaping in their misery. What could I offer them to follow me? Call them in. Call them in to me. Come in. Come in and hear me. You were some of the best, you renegades there in the granary. There was a time when you had shoes and powder for your guns and fought to rule yourselves. Now I offer you wounds and death, cold and disease and hunger. Winters to come, such as this you have, with our bloody trail in the snow and no end to it till you shovel each other in with those at Valley Forge. If you can find within yourselves the courage and the heart to face rewards like this, to fight through snow, the winter, and the heat of summer, and the valleys and the plains to the last mountain peak that we can still call free, our own America, if this is what you want, then close in and take your places in my ranks. You'll take us back, sir? Take you back. I'll go with Come you. Come on, you fellows. You heard what he said. And so will I. You'll go with I you. Will. Do you mean you'll take on, us? Then. We thought it was over. We thought it was falling to pieces. But if you meant what you said about being plowed under before we stopped, I'm for being plowed under. Good heavens, what's going on here? Has my hay barn been turned into an American barracks now? Sorry, General Howe. Men, you'd better go back to camp now. All right, sir. Will you do one thing for me, sir? Name it. I want to shake your hand. That'll be something to tell the boys. Would I keep my hand from my friends? My heart goes with it to every man among you. Thank you, sir. Now, mind you tell him. Well, George Washington? Sir William, I'm servant to those men in rags of homespun. This war's not mine to end, but theirs. Your choice of counselor, sir, is your own, of course. However, you'll draw this tragedy out further... As far as we must. But you've lost. Lost now. Your government's opposed. Your men in dragnet. The dregs are what swept up to eat. By all the rules of the game, we're beaten and should surrender. But the spirit of the earth moves over the earth like flame and finds fresh home when the old's burned out. It stands over this, my country, in this dark year and stands like a pillar of fire. They'll press you harder when I'm replaced. Sir, we engage to stand it. Very well. I'll get a drubbing at home. Well, goodbye, sir. We wish you good morning and a fair voyage, Sir William. Uh, so, we're left with some years of revolution on our hands. We have food for three days, sir. And then for three more, if we can find it. And three more, if we can find it. 
And now I think we will. General, what should we do about Tench and the others? Uh, we must bury them here. They've earned the ground. We'll fire a volley over them. No, sir. We'll need our powder. And dead men don't hear volleys. So be it, then. This liberty will look easy by and by when no one dies to get it. deeply moving American play. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Valley Forge by Maxwell Anderson. In a few moments, we shall hear again from our star, Mr. Barrymore. But first, Jane Whitman has a story for and of today. Now, as never before, we can be grateful for synthetic fibers like rayon and nylon. Fibers developed in the chemist's laboratory. When fabrics of rayon yarn were introduced some 30 years ago, they had a good many faults. Women's stockings made of rayon bagged at the knees. A man who sent a pair of rayon pajamas to the laundry often got them back with one leg long enough for a stovepipe and the other about right for a pair of shorts. Year after year, however, behind the scenes, manufacturers labored to improve rayon with the persistence that characterizes American business. DuPont had a part in that improvement. In 1925, rayon appeared as a satisfactory woven dress fabric. In 1926 came Baronet Satin, in 1928, a chemist discovered that titanium dioxide could take the sheen out of rayon and make it even duller than silk. And today, as everybody knows, synthetic fibers have made tremendous strides and won general acceptance. Americans used 580 million pounds of rayon in 1941. Four and a half pounds for every man, woman, and child in the United States. What synthetic yarns have accomplished for us is really almost beyond comprehension. Rayon means more, much more than pretty clothes than automobile tires that wear longer now when we must make every tire wear longer. Nylon means more, much more than long-wearing stockings. Think of the broader importance of man-made fibers. A century ago, according to the best estimate, the total population of the world was one billion souls. Today, it's something over two billion, a 100% increase in 100 years. And still, where only a woman of wealth could afford a handsome dress in the old days, and even wealthy women tried to make a dress do for two or three seasons. Today, not hundreds, not thousands, but millions and tens of millions of women wear beautiful clothes. Think for a moment of silk alone. We used to buy 50 million pounds of silk a year. Most of it came from Japan. In 1920, silk cost us $20 a pound. In that same year, new as rayon was, rayon cost $6 a pound. Today, as increased demand has made it possible for industry to reduce costs, Rayon sells for 53 cents a pound. Today, these fibers are all doing their part in the wartime economy in order that the future may truly hold better things for better living through chemistry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the star of tonight's play, Lionel Barrymore. Mr. Barrymore, on behalf of Cavalcade, thank you for tonight's pro per performance. Thank you, Mr. Heaston. 
And I'm honored and deeply touched that Cavalcade chose me for such an exacting role at a time when this play means more than it's ever meant before to every American. Thank you, Lionel Barrymore. As you already know, sir, next week on The Cavalcade of America, DuPont presents the great screen actor Charles Boyer in The Gentleman from Paris. It is an original play written especially for Cavalcade and based on the career of the young Frenchman who helped to light the torch of liberty in America and carried it back to his native land, where we hope it is not forever extinguished. Next week, at the same time, The Gentleman from Paris, starring Charles Boyer as the young Marquis de Lafayette on The Cavalcade of America. musical score for tonight was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. On the Cavalcade of America, your Hollywood announcer is John Heaston, sending best wishes from DuPont. This is the Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company. worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply